0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Bill Bartholomew here with you for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. And of course, whenever breaking news happens. Today, welcoming back to the show, Rhode Island's Education Commissioner Angelica Infante Green. And obviously a lot on the table with the recent pivot to... Masks being optional inside of schools, a lot going on inside the urban core, questions surrounding the Providence School District turnaround and the time frame for when the district will be returned to the state. The breaking news surrounding the departure of North Kingstown Superintendent Phil Auger, of course, who is, I don't want to say embroiled in, but is certainly somewhat caught up in a legal situation surrounding former North Kingstown basketball coach Aaron Thomas and his so-called fat tests, that whole deal. Um, But also we hear from the commissioner on some important initiatives in terms of teacher recruitment, reimagining schools in Rhode Island. So lots of stuff, um, a fast-paced and important conversation today here on B-Town. If you're enjoying this content, go ahead and follow the podcast wherever you like to listen and leave a rating and review. It does help the cause. Also, if you want to go a step further, click the support link wherever you're listening right now or head to patreon.com slash Town. Where for as little as $3 per month, you'll be able to help to sustain this independent program, bringing you journalism, opinion, analysis, and entertainment each and every week with a hyper-local focus on Rhode Island and zooming out into the big issues. Patreon.com slash Town. Okay, without further ado, let's get right to it. Commissioner Helica Infante-Green back on B-Town. All right, Commissioner. Well, welcome back to the show. We always appreciate it. I'm sure everyone is very glad to hear from you. Um, certainly, plenty to talk about. Lots going on inside K twelve writ large here in the state, and it's I guess the obvious thing is: look, we we enter this period now where masks are optional. It seems like only the only districts that are continuing to wear or or, or require masks are Providence and Central Falls. That's not entirely unexpected. Um, I guess just your initial impression of how things are going and and how we got to this point where um, you know the Omicron and covid is at least in this moment not in the rear view but it's it's shifted
0: yeah well. It's close to being in the rear view, which is exciting for us. Um, so it, you know, Providence and Central Falls do have the mass. Some of the charters, they're sort of split, also have mass requirements. But we're really excited because what we've done in Rhode Island is really push vaccinations. Because we know, you know, the new hashtag is preventable, treatable. So we're we're just in a different place than we were, and are, we're seeing our numbers go down. So we, we feel good about where we are. And we've kept up with the science and it's gotten us to where we are at this point.
1: Yeah. That's been the key is public health dominating, um, you know, all decision-making. Of course, there's this troop of people, I call them a faction that mostly on Twitter and they show up at school committee meetings that have said that, you know, uh, masks are muzzles, that it's child abuse, so on and so forth. Uh, you know they're they're taking a victory lap now. Your your thoughts on that, and just this whole um, they they call themselves parents united, unofficially or officially. You, just your take on this whole thing that's sort of surfaced over the last few months.
0: Well, you know, I'm glad that parents are united, but what we need to be united on is making sure that our kids come to school, that everyone is getting fed all the time, and that we are on the same page. We're making sure that our kids are healthy and that they are learning. I think that's where we need to be united. I don't, you know, the fact that there's so much division on this topic, it's, it's, it, it really is something that we need to move away from. As a community, because what we're doing is teaching our kids. You know, kids watch us. So we have to be very careful how we behave, how we communicate. I am all in favor of everyone voicing their opinion, but there's a way of doing that. And I think that we have to go into a more civilized and more um, respectful dialogue.
1: Yeah, it certainly seems like it's drifted into something outside of that realm, and um, almost like argument and and sometimes mean spiritedness just for the sake of it. You know, uh, just kind of speaking to your experience with this, and and I mean, the the pardon me, the idea of framing this issue as child abuse. I mean, what, what does that make you? How does that make you feel? <laughs>
0: you know? Well, you know. Uh, I think that's an interesting choice of words, because you know, and there's different perspectives. I, if if when the mass policy was put in place a long time ago, was meant to protect children, right? That's what it was meant to do, and we were all there, not just Rhode Island, not just the U.S., but the world, right? We, you know, that's where we were, and that's why we did it was actually to protect children, not to really um, hurt children in any way so and it was part of our layered mitigation approach and we followed the science you know we follow cdc we followed the department of health and i think that's where we all collectively cannot make health care such a divisive conversation it just doesn't make sense
1: sort of on the same lines there's been a lot of uptick in in um the notion that critical race theory is taught in schools and that there's a directive from the Department of Education to choose from a, a variety of curricula that would, you know, basically um, insert that into elementary school, so on and so forth. At the same time, there's also books that are uh, trying to or, or, or just lessons, if you will, strategies that try to make or help students understand the diversity of Surrounding gender identity and so on and so forth, you know, does the Department of Education direct districts, LEAs, to teach critical race theory?
0: Well, the first part is that critical race theory is really a law argument it has really nothing to do with schools. So that's the first one. The second one, when we're talking about the green curriculum, the curriculum that we have put in as model curriculums are curriculums that are called green, meaning that they match the standards, not anything else. I mean, and we cannot have our kids not learn about diversity. I mean, what? that's not something that any of us believe in. None of us, I think in this country, believe that our kids should not be learning about diversity. Um, And I think that we have to get to that place that we understand what we're talking about. Again, critical race theory is a law argument, does not exist in our school system. We are not promoting um, any sort of theory that might damage kids, that might put kids in, a, in an unsafe place. That's not what we're doing. And, you know, this argument has existed for years. There was a time, I can't remember the book, was it Catch in the Rye? Uh, some book that, you know, everybody thought was controversial. But I think that it's a good argument to have and to talk about, but, you know, we're not in the habit of banning materials that kids can learn from.
1: Yeah. And, and, and it's, I think, you know, even To Kill a Mockingbird, I mean, some of these baseline books are controversial.
0: That's right. That's right. That was the book, To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, I think we've had these conversations for many, 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 many years. um, But the curriculum is not anything than meeting the standards. And if we have a problem with learning about different aspects, then that's a different kind of conversation that we need to have because we have to be inclusive of everyone. And that's just how education needs to function.
1: You were recently testifying at the state house, and it's, it's been pretty clear that COVID has thrown a major wrench into the Providence school's turnaround. It's, it's almost impossible to probably plan for something as disruptive as COVID, but as such, you've extended um, the turnaround timeframe You got some pushback from folks like uh, Senator Stephen Archambault, who, um, you know, I got into this kind of bizarre shouting match with on during the uh, (laughs) the hearing. But in general, what's the response from the community that you've heard on the turnaround? And what would you say is 2027 a a, a fair time to say that the, the, the state will turn control of the schools back over to the city of Providence?
0: Well, so here here's here's where i struggle with this conversation right this district has been failing for over 30 years right and then here we're talking about two years during a pandemic where districts that were not as dysfunctional as Providence struggled to keep the doors open every single day so the two years was not just for Providence, but it was, we changed our strategic plan for the entire state, not just for Providence. And what we talked about earlier was that we, when we reached, reached that time frame, that we would reevaluate. It's not about turning it back. You know, being in this place, it's not a punishment. We're trying to devise a way to work with the community to make this a stronger system. I'm sorry if people are trying to pit one against the other because that's not what it is. In these last two years, I will say very quickly, during a pandemic, we took over and four months later, pandemic hit. We kept the schools open. We make sure that cleaning went from what it was moderately dingy, because that's what it was in the district, to a different level where the cleaning was acceptable. So that was one. Two, we put guidance counselors in every elementary school. We put assistant principals, we put community specialists in all the secondary schools. We got a curriculum from K to eight with over a hundred educators participating. And why one curriculum is important? One, it meets the standards two, our kids in Providence are very highly mobile. There's um, research that we've done that shows that our kids sometimes have been to three schools, four schools by the time they go to middle school. So consistency is very important. And we've made sure that the parents have a voice. We now have targets and metrics to follow that we didn't have before. So I think that so far, We've done a good job of laying the foundation. There's a lot of work to be done. And I've made that commitment to the families, to the teachers, to the students. We're going to get this done and we're going to do it with the community. This is a community endeavor. They helped us set the metrics. So, you know, when people are talking about when are they going back or not, I think this is the opportunity for the district to actually move in a very positive direction. So that conversation to me feels very empty. And um, and we're going to do whatever needs to get done. And we have a one pager for anyone's interested in all the things that have happened in the last two
1: years. And you think 2027 is a reasonable target, even if it's a moving target right now, for that transition to go back to uh, to city control?
0: Well, I, you know, 2027 is when we're going to look at the progress that we've made, and we're going to make those adjustments and those conversations with the community. You know, I think 30 years. 30 years, you know, we failed a number of kids. I have people that work for me right now that went through the system that are lucky, that they feel lucky that a lot of their peers did not graduate. I have that conversation in my office all the time. And, you know, that has changed. I also have some colleagues here that their siblings couldn't go to parent teacher conference because it you know, there was no one there to talk to. So there are changes that have happened. They're not gonna be as fast because education, you know, it's a step-by-step process. And when you have a district that has been so dysfunctional for so many years, we're still laying the foundation. We still have timesheets that people turn in in paper, on
1: paper. Wow. It's
0: unheard of. Mm-hmm
1: for daily digital content, and much more. Follow me on social media, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, even LinkedIn. Just search for me, Bill Bartholomew. Hey, you, yeah, you, do you want to reach tens of thousands of listeners every single month right here in Rhode Island and Southern New England, send me an email, bill at ripodcast.com, and let's talk about some of the sponsorship packages that we have available to get your message out to thousands of listeners each and every week right here on B-Town across our multiple platforms, digital, terrestrial, social media. Let's make it happen, bill at ripodcast.com back to be town there's there's no question there's a great need for a major shift i mean just about everybody would agree with that um i get a lot of press releases from parents groups that are concerned about the superintendent situation in providence and just the just the status of appointing a full-time superintendent and also um or i should say permanent superintendent and the the parental involvement in that where does that stand right now
0: so right now, to be totally honest, we're not looking at that. We're, we are trying to come out of this pandemic. We held a clinic last week with 300 parents. I, it takes a lot of work to put these things together. So our focus is here. And I think what what we are looking at is how we continuously make progress, how we have those conversations. Um, right now, we have a superintendent. And that's what everybody needs to focus in on. We have somebody who's doing the work, who's working really hard, who's making the decisions at the local level and working with parents to make those decisions. So we are not at that step. What we have tried is to make sure that, you know, our kids are going to school safely. We have a low vaccination rate in Providence. Our focus has been on the vaccination rate and instruction and professional development.
1: Speaking of superintendents, zooming out to a statewide audience, we just received word here as we were starting taping that Dr. Phil Auger, who is the superintendent of North was the superintendent of North Kingstown Public Schools, has resigned. Um, just your thoughts on Dr. Auger. I know I can speak to him as someone who was my assistant principal, was a major advocate for arts and humanities and a powerful uh, voice in my life. Um, you know, just, just reflecting on, on his departure from that district.
0: Yeah, well, I just found out about it. Um, I know that he is a very thoughtful person. And I, you know, I can't talk too much about it because there's an ongoing legal action there. Um, but personally, on a personal level, you know, uh, it, it's it's sad. And we're, gonna, we're seeing a lot of shifts. And, you know, leadership is hard to come by. So it's unfortunate that we're losing um, another leader in our district, in our state, actually.
1: You've you've got a a a campaign, if you will, for teacher recruitment inside Providence. Yes. Um if, if you could speak to that and where where that's where you're reaching to and, and some metrics or goals that you have in terms of numbers. Um, you know, how, how do you want to see this go go about? I mean, we hear a lot about teachers that are leaving the district, sometimes even for lower paying jobs because they're uncomfortable working in the district for any number of reasons. How do you recruit effectively and get the right people inside the district?
0: Well, so one of the positions that we created that we never had is recruitment positions. So we actually have someone that this is their full-time job. One one way that we're doing is actually going to colleges and universities and talking to their um, students as they leave. But we've also set up a $10,000 hard-to-fill bonus for teachers that come in for our positions that are hard-to-fill. And up to three thousand dollars relocation reimbursement if they're coming from outside of Rhode Island, and also we're offering twenty five thousand dollars in loan forgiveness forgiveness for teachers of color. So we have uh, multiple things happening at the same time to try to encourage and attract teachers. And there's also we're working with the Department of Housing to see if we can um, there's some money if they want to buy a house here that we can supplement as well.
1: Wow. That'd yeah. be huge. You would, you would assume that would be a major boon, especially someone coming out of school or anybody really in this housing market. I mean, come on, that's a huge option. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we're actually hiring. The first year that we were able to hire earlier, we went from 102 vacancies to 22. So this year we're hiring earlier than ever because we know we're competing. We're competing with Massachusetts. We're competing with Connecticut. You know, so, and and we're like right in the middle, right? Of these two big states. And we want to be competitive and we want to make sure that we keep our talents and, um, and the, the teachers that are going to other districts, that's okay too. Right. I think that, you know, some of them want to be closer to home, be in a different environment. That's okay. And when change is happening, we need the people that want to be part of the change in front of our kids.
1: What about vaccine clinics right now? There's a, a a strikingly low. We were together, I think a week and a half ago here in Elmwood and elementary school where I don't remember the number off the top of my head. I probably should have pulled it up because I reported it, but it it was an incredibly low vaccination rate, um, startlingly so. And we see that across the board in some of the urban core districts. There are reasons for this that are very surface level, historical mistrust with, with vaccination lack of translation and transportation options. These are all baseline things, but what else might be causing this? And how are you working to uh, correct the low vaccination rates, if you will?
0: Sure. So one of the things that we're doing is going into the Spanish media, but we are providing transportation. We are working with the schools right now. We're going to have clinics in all of our high schools for our students. And that school that we were in together had a very low rate that vaccination clinic had about 150 vaccina- vaccines distributed that that i think it was sunday so i it, it's it's moving it's moving it's not moving as fast as we would like it to move but you know there's a there's been a historical lack of trust with vaccines and what we have to do and continue to do is talk to the community in the places where they feel more trust in their faith-based community, with their pediatricians. So we're working across the line so that parents get information from multiple sources and they have the ability to ask questions about how they feel. You know, it's a tough decision. I have a 14-year-old who's on the spectrum and, you know, we we thought long and hard about it and we had a conversation with him and he got vaccinated. My 11-year-old was ready to do it. We had the conversation because, I, you know, Their consequences. And we want to make sure that our kids are safe and healthy and parents just need a place where they can get their questions answered.
1: What about this initiative to reimagine the school experience? I like the sounds of that as somebody who um, was more than happy to take a study hall and go into the (laughs) the band room and practice drums, you know, but what does that mean? And, And what is the parental input on that?
0: Well, we're reimagining the secondary education, right? And right now, it is open for public comment. There's a couple of things that we're doing with that. One is ensuring that kids have the coursework that they need to apply to our colleges, because right now, some of our urban schools do not offer like world languages, but our colleges require that to come in. to to actually be part of the system. So the engagement began last summer. We have students, parents, what do they want to see? You know, civics, um, uh, financial literacy. Those are really important things that that our kids have made it loud and clear for us. But we also want the arts. We don't want one thing superseding the other. We want our kids to have an actual pathway to... Be able to have a more holistic experience and we're also talking about maybe 12-month schools which you know that's exciting that you know because the way that they work is that we go to school two months then we have two weeks off and go off and on but it allows the students the opportunity to really be exposed to different things and we want that and we want the diploma in rhode island to mean something meaning we know that if you have a diploma you have done X And the, that's what this is about. So please go on. It is open for public comment. We want everyone's feedback. You know, we have a meeting on the 22nd and we have seven sessions that if you go to ride.ri.gov, um, you can see where those sessions are being held. We want everyone's voice. We want, this is the democratic process at work.
1: Last question. Um I remember during the pandemic asking you, you know, do you feel like you're a Rhode Islander? Are you going to stick around? You know, there, there's there's transition happening inside the McKee administration right now. First, with Dr. Alexander Scott, with uh Zeta-Jones. We understand James Manny's leaving. Um, are you still in this for the long haul?
0: I am. I am a Rhode Islander now. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that you guys Think you have to be here thirty years, but I am a Rhode Islander. (laughs) I love Rhode Island. I, you know, and I love the kids and the families and the teachers. Everybody's working hard, so can't get rid of me that easily. I'm here (laughs) for the long
1: haul. Commissioner Infante Green, as always, thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Rhode Island's podcast of record, B Town.